it has been that kind of day, and that's okay. And I'm still feeling, I'm, I, you ever have those days where you just don't feel like you can get yourself, like, focused? <laughs> you, ever, you, ever have a, you ever have a day like that? I'm having one of those days. It's not a good day to have that kind of day, I got to tell you. It's the really the worst day. It's honestly the worst day to have that kind of day for me. Um, but nevertheless, here we are. And so uh, this is what I've learned and, and been doing ministry and been a Christian long enough to know that it's at the moments where everything seems to go wrong, all of, you know, your plans don't work and the technology doesn't work and everything. It seems like those are the moments where the Spirit does the most work. He does the most work in our life. He does the most work through us. It's like it's a reminder of our weakness and our need for him. And so I'll just tell you, more than ever, I need him today. So I just need him to speak through me to you, and I trust that he's going to do that. And because um, it is, it's nuts. Things are nuts. You know, everybody, now you're, I'm not going to, I'm not going to step on it. All right. I just can't, it's, there's no room up here. All right. Sorry, there's no room. Anyway. I was going to say like the end, but I'm not, that's, that's, I'm sorry. Oh, man. So things have been crazy. Things have been crazy getting ready for Christmas. Our daughter is in the musical that's here, so things have been crazy with that. They've got the last show today, just a lot of running back and forth. The schedule's bouncing all over the place and all of that. And I don't know if you all are dealing with that, too. We got family coming in this, uh, uh, like, on Tuesday, and then some more coming in on Wednesday. Like, we have a bunch of family coming here for Christmas, which has never happened to us before. We have always gone to visit them, and they are coming to us, which I'm really excited about, but it does put a little bit of a wrinkle, you know? When we're going to visit them, all we got to do is worry we only have to worry about like driving up there getting there and then once we're there you know they've got everything we can kind of rest and relax and they've got everything under control and uh, they're coming here and so that's a little bit it's a little bit different this year so we don't have to worry about traveling but we do kind of have to manage all of that so it's going to be a different Christmas but it's going to be a fun Christmas um Maybe what I'm most excited about Christmas is that Jess uh, grabbed me like a week ago, and she was like, hey, your family's coming in for Christmas. We're going to do it here. Yep, yep. She said, well, how about you make, what do you, what do you think about making a trash can turkey? And I was like, yes, that's a great idea. We do that for Thanksgiving every single year. It's one of my favorite things in the world to do and to make. And this year, by the way, it was perfect. It was the best one. I made some tweaks and adjustments to my whole setup. It's the best one that we've ever had. And so now we're doing one for Christmas. And so, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. So needless to say, I'm just saying my mind's like a million different places and I need to be here right now, right here, right now, just like for you. And so um, we're going we're gonna to focus, all right? And uh, one of the things that makes Christmas crazy, of course, is presents. And we're doing a series called Present. And uh, it's, of course, not about the gifts that you find under the tree, but about the gift that God has given to us. But, of course, we do think a lot about the gifts that we give. And we think a lot about the gifts that we're going to receive, too. <laughs> Thinking about what it might be, what that might be under the tree. Um, we talked about the, uh, the test that you can do to try and figure out what a present is. We talked about that uh, last week. And I found my son, who was in here last week, by the way, under the Christmas tree, smelling presents this week uh, because we talked about the smell test and how sometimes the smell test will tip off what it is. And he was just under the tree, like sniffing presents, and he was like, smells like an Amazon box. Smells like an Amazon box. <laughs> smells like an Amazon box. It's like, that's because that's what it is. All right. Um, but when I think about the gifts that I'm going to give, Jess and I were talking about our presents and what we wanted, and it's weird because we just don't. I don't know, it's where we are in our life or whatever. There's just not a lot that we want. And so it's kind of like an excuse to get the things that you need and you haven't been willing to spend the money on up until now. And for me, a lot of those times, they are uh, gifts that I can use uh, that will 
produce something, like tools, you know? Uh, like the gifts that keep on giving, in a way. <laughs> like, I'm going to give you this gift, and then you can use it, like a, like a, a planer or a drill press or something like that. Um, but I found that when you give those kinds of gifts, you need to be very careful about them because uh, you want to know that the person wants that thing. Uh, because if you give someone a gift that keeps on giving, but they don't want that thing, then all you're doing is giving them a gift so that they can give gifts back to you, right? It's like, uh, have you ever done that before? Have you ever gotten someone a gift and they were like, oh, great, an iron. How nice of you. I can use this to iron your shirts, right? Not a great gift. Not a great gift. Or uh, I guess the classic one is a vacuum cleaner, right? For Mother's Day, you get mom a vacuum cleaner. Brilliant, so she can clean more right? That's not exactly a great gift. But when you know that the person loves doing the thing that you're giving them the gift for, you know that they're going to, they enjoy it, then you get them that thing, that tool, that gift that keeps on giving in essence, and uh, you know they're going to appreciate that gift. Particularly, this is the easiest way to do it, just go, what do you want? (laughs) What do you want? And then you can give and receive those gifts. Today we're going to talk about another gift, a gift that does keep on giving, but it may not be the gift that you expect. It's not the, it's not the gift you probably expect us to even talk about in church on Christmas, because at Christmas, the gift we talk about is the baby. <laughs> it's the baby. Or it's the gifts of the wise men, which we didn't talk about last week when we talked about the wise men. We talked about a different gift with them. I want to talk about a gift that was given after. I want to talk about a gift that is made possible through the birth of Jesus but wasn't given at the birth of Jesus. It's a different kind of gift. It wasn't given by the manger, but the manger made it possible. And it's very important for us to understand this gift. In fact, I think it is maybe the most important thing for us to understand as Christians in how we walk and how we live and how we behave and how we talk and all of those things as we proceed on in life as Christians. And I think, and, and I'm gonna, I don't want to say this like too boldly or whatever, or like we have it figured out, but I think it's the mis- most misunderstood and misused gift within the church. And I think that ultimately our inability to understand and appreciate this gift and use this gift is the reason that most of the deficiencies that exist in the church culturally in America exist. And like I said, it may not be the Christmas gift that you might think of. Because Jesus was born and he was a gift to us. The, the God in human flesh, God taking on flesh. The Son of God born to us. The Savior, the Messiah, which was prophesied about for thousands of years. As we awaited him and finally he came. Born in Bethlehem, born in the manger, visited by the shepherds, announced by angels, visited by the wise men, um, hunted down by the king. All of that. But the purpose of Jesus wasn't just to be born. I think you know that. The purpose of Jesus ultimately was, well, in part to set an example for our life and to show us how to live and to watch his life and his miracles. But ultimately his purpose was to die. A baby born to die. And we all know our time is coming. He knew that better than most. And on the cross, Jesus Christ gave his life. A sacrificial lamb in our place, paying for our sin. And then he was put into the tomb, and on the third day, he rose again. 
And any of us, I hope you know this, and if you've never heard it before, hear it for the first time today. All of us are separated from God by our sin and will be separated from God for all of eternity by our sin if something doesn't happen. And there's nothing we can do about that. But Jesus did something about it. Jesus gave his life on the cross. He gave his life in our place. And he rose again on the third day. And the only thing we can do about the sin barrier that exists between us and God is to put our faith in Jesus Christ and trust him for salvation. Believe that he paid for our sin and that he will cover our sin. And then we receive eternal life. But before all of this happened, before Jesus gave his life, he was gathering his disciples together and he was trying to get them ready for what was next. Because he knew he was going to be leaving. Yes, he died on the cross. Yes, he rose again. But a short time later, he ascended back to heaven. And he knew that they were going to be without him. And he needed to give them a gift in his absence. A gift that would be greater than the gift that was given in the manger. And so before he goes to the cross, he gathers his disciples together and specifically in the last week of his life, spends a lot of time talking about this, this gift that he's going to be sending. The gift that is going to carry them, that is going to lead them, that is going to guide them, that is going to sustain them. It is the gift that he wants to give them, more so even than just himself. So if we look at Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. He's already, he's given his life for them on the cross. He's resurrected. This is resurrected Jesus talking to his disciples, knowing that he's going to return to the Father. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. So he said, don't leave Jerusalem. You guys hang out there, stick together, stay in Jerusalem, and wait for this promise. Wait for this gift. Which, he said, you have heard from me. For truly John, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He said, I already told you about this, and he told them in the week before his death, he told them that the Spirit was coming and that the Spirit was better. But now, after his resurrection, he says, I want you to go to Jerusalem. I want you to stay in Jerusalem. I want you to stick together, and I want you to wait. Because, yes, John baptized with water, but God is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And this is a tremendous gift. Verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, They asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And that's what they wanted. That's what they were looking forward. That's what we are still looking forward to. When Jesus Christ is going to return and he's going to establish a kingdom here on earth, the way it should be, that's what we're looking forward to. Looking forward to being a part of that and a significant part of it. He said, are this going to happen right now? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. So no, not now, can't tell you when. Need to know basis, don't need to know. Okay. We are still, by the way, operating on a need to know basis, and we still apparently do not need to know. So when will it happen? Don't know. Could be today. He might come down in the rain. I don't know exactly how that would work, but he might come today. It might be 
2,000 years from now, just don't know, okay? He said, it's not for you to know. But, verse 8, this is so important. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. He said, hey, you guys need to stick together and you need to wait for this promise of the Holy Spirit that's coming. And they said, oh, great, great, great. Are you going to establish the kingdom right now? He said, no. And you're not going to know when. But in the meantime, I'm giving you a gift. And that gift is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to empower you to go and be my witnesses and to go and do and be all that I plan for you to do and be. And then he leaves. And they're left. (laughs) They still don't quite know what this means, of course. But they know he said to wait. They know he said to prepare. And so the first thing they do while they're waiting, they do stick together and they do stay in Jerusalem. But the the first thing they do is they're like, okay, Judas, obviously that guy's out, right? Uh, Judas can't be around anymore, but we really need 12. Like we really want to have 12 uh, apostles. And so they decide they're going to find another one. They're going to pick another one. And so they go through the people that have been with them all along because, you know, you you read through the Gospels and you hear uh, Jesus talk about, you know, he's got his disciples, but there's a ton of other people that have been following him too, uh, women and men and all kinds of people that have been following him around the whole time. And they said, okay, out of all those people, let's pick out two. And they pick out uh, two guys. One's name is Matthias and the other's name is Justice, J-U-S-T-U-S, not Justice like we have it, but Justice, all right, cool name. And then they cast lots to decide which one of them is going to be a disciple or an apostle, which is so weird to think about. Now, casting lots is very much like you, you would think it is. It's almost like flipping a coin, all right? And they would do it different ways, and we don't know exactly how they did it, whether they were like colored dice or rocks or how exactly they did it. But it was something that was a very common practice at the time to try and figure out what the will of God was or culturally in other places to try and find out what the will of whoever was. And so they would take and they would toss this and they, they took it very, very seriously. It wasn't flippant. It wasn't, um, you know, it's not like they were just, they didn't care or anything like that. It was very serious. They really believed that God was going to determine the outcome of how this happened. And of course, we believe that he did. And so however they cast lots, they cast lots and it fell on Matthias. All right, not justice, which is a little bit of a shame, I think, only because of their names. I just think the name Justice would have made for a really cool apostle's name. But um, God chose Matthias in that way. And what they were doing, this is what I find fascinating about it, is that they were trying to determine the will of God in this situation. And the only way that they knew to do that at the time was to cast lots, was to throw these stones or throw these dice or flip this coin, whatever it was that they did. And that's how they made the decision. That's how they walked forward. That's what they thought was the best way for them to proceed. And I don't think what they realized at the time was that the gift that they were about to be given would mean they never had to do that again. They would never have to, they would never have to look for an outward sign or symbol of God's will 
This was the last time they were going to have to do it because God was about to give them something better and bigger, someone better and bigger, so that they could, lead, they could follow him, not with outward signs, but with inward leadership. And so that's what he does for them. And so what I want to do is, it's a long section, so I'm just going to read it. I didn't want to have it all down on paper here. It's peaceful just listening to the rain, isn't it? Let's take a second. We're going to read all of Acts chapter 2, which is a lot. Okay? It's a lot. Um, but we're going to see so many incredible things happen in this section of Scripture. And as we read this, and, and I would encourage you, if you have your Bible or your app or however you read, to, to pull it out. We are going to put it on the screens, but we're going to be moving pretty quick through this. Um, We're going to look at the gift and when God gave it and what it did. And I I, I always struggle with this, and I think it's important. I keep saying it. I shouldn't say it. He, the gift God gave and what he did and does. All right, so we'll just read, and there may be some spots where we kind of stop and talk about it as we go. But for the most part, we're just going to read through it. All right, Acts chapter 2, the whole thing. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Of course, it's not a Honda, right? So that's a bad bad pastor joke. They were all in one accord. Um, Tightly packed in there, Um, like clowns. Anyway, uh, the the day of Pentecost had come. This was all part of the feasts and festivals. It was part of a festival um, basically called the 50 Days, and and it started with the first harvest, and ultimately it would lead um, to the day of Pentecost. Pentecost means the 50s, okay? Um, So it was 50 days after the first harvest. That's what the holiday was that they were uh, celebrating, or the feast they were celebrating. All right? They were in one accord in one place. So they did what Jesus said. They stuck together in Jerusalem together. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, let me just pause for a second. Maybe I don't need to say this. This is so bizarre. Okay, This is not like anything they had ever experienced before. Their entire life, as they had, as they had learned about the Scriptures, as they had learned about, uh, about faith and what it meant when they met Jesus, when they walked with Jesus, when they saw Jesus doing all of these miracles, God was always on the outside. And so this is, this is a moment where he literally comes, he sends his Holy Spirit, and his Holy Spirit inhabits them. This, they've never experienced this before. And out of this moment, something even stranger, at least to the naked eye, happens. They begin speaking, and they begin speaking in languages that they don't understand, languages they have never spoken before. And you can, I can't even... I could say you could imagine. I don't know if I can even imagine what that moment was like. 
For this suddenly to happen and they have these divided tongues of fire that are resting upon them and don't know exactly what that looks like or what that means is such a new experience for all of them. But it is a gift that is being bestowed upon them. And they begin speaking as the Spirit gave them utterance, which means he's causing them to speak in these other languages that they've never spoken before. I want you to imagine that you were just in a room, we were all in the room right now, and all of a sudden, somebody just started speaking Russian. Like, never spoke Russian before, but just started speaking Russian, and everybody started doing that in a totally different language. I mean, I, I, mean, I can't even imagine. Probably felt a little bit like chaos. <laughs> like anybody really knew what was going on. But something very important was going on. Verse 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem... Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. So these are people from other countries that have come into Jerusalem and they are worshiping. And when this sound occurred, that's the rushing wind that came down and filled the house, right? And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. So in this case, they are not speaking in some strange language. They're actually speaking in legitimate foreign languages where the, the, the sound comes, the, the divided tongues of fire rest upon uh, the, the, the people that are together. They begin speaking in these other languages and all these people from other countries hear the sound show up and now all of a sudden they hear Peter speaking in Russian and presumably proclaiming the gospel in Russian. And I'm hearing it. I'm a Jewish person. I probably may or may not know who Jesus is or what he's all about. I'm a devout Jew who's in town. And now the gospel is being proclaimed to me in my own language. This is unbelievable, and it's a miracle, and it certainly reflects what Jesus said. He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. The Spirit is empowering them to share the gospel message with people that they would not have been able to share with had they not had the Spirit in their life. What an incredible gift. Verse 7, Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are these not, are not all these who speak Galileans? That's where Jesus was from. Nazareth is in Galilee. Galilee's like two states above where Jerusalem is. All right, you got Galilee, then you have Samaria. They didn't like them very much. And then you have Judea, where Jerusalem is. They're saying, these guys are up from the north. This, they're from the country. They're from the middle of nowhere. How do they know our languages? Are these not Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans, and Arabs. We hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? <laughs> I mean, everybody's trying to figure out what in the world is going on. They've never seen power like this. They've never seen uh, something happen like this. And they're all blown away. And some people are just amazed, astounded, and stunned. 
And, of course, some people are skeptical, as they always will be, right? Verse 13, others mocking said, they're full of new wine. Spent a little too much time cooped up in that room. <laughs> They've been isolated, a little quarantined a little too long. I don't know what's going on over there. Started the party a little bit early today, I see. That's what they're thinking. But no. Verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose. This is only the third hour of the day. I kind of like, <laughs> I chuckle every time I read that. I don't know if Peter's making a joke or not. He's like, it's a little early, guys. It's a little early. That's not what's happening here. Yeah, it's only 9 a.m. All right. So uh, anyway, he says this. He takes this opportunity. Right. Verse 16. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Quoting. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter understands. Jesus told us this is what was going to happen. This is what the prophecies told us what it was going to happen. And now it's happened. God has poured out his spirit on us. And he says this, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you, by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified, and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Now, I got to tell you, one of the things I was, I was thinking about as I was reading this this week, I wonder what's actually happening in this moment as Peter is saying this, because as Peter is saying this, all of these people understand him. It's possible he's speaking, it's possible he's actually speaking in Hebrew and everybody there understands. It's possible he's standing, speaking in Greek and everybody understands. It's also possible that as he's speaking, God is translating that into the hearts of men in a different language through the power of the Spirit. It might be, it could, I'm just, this, I'm just saying it's possible that Peter is speaking and everybody there is hearing it in their native language, even though he's speaking it in his native language. It's possible. What the Spirit is doing right here is he is empowering believers to break through those barriers to reach people with the gospel. So I don't know how exactly it's happening, but it's happening. 
All right, he says, for David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. And then Peter again, men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn, had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says of himself, the Lord said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. And Peter says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And I, per- I believe that's the moment that they were saved. They were cut to the heart, and they believed that Jesus Christ was who he was. They were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? We believe, now what? We accept him, now what? What do we do now? Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So what do we do? Well, the answer is now, walk. Repent. You, they were cut to the heart. They put their faith in Jesus. They are saved in that moment. Now what? Now walk. How do we walk? In Holy Spirit-led repentance and obedience. That's how we walk. But we need him to do it. We need the Spirit to do it. This is the gift that has been given to us. And I said earlier, I think that that almost all, if not all of the deficiencies that exist within churches in our area, in in our country, in our world, are because Christians just aren't very good at listening to and following the Spirit. We have have people that have turned him into a sideshow, like he's just, you know, he's the crazy drunk uncle who just does crazy things all the time. And then we've got a side of people who completely ignored him. 
and think that he's just rationality or just reason or just logic or whatever. And he's neither one of those things. He's a real person. He is equal to Jesus. He is equal to the Father. He's a member of the Trinity, and he lives within us. And if we want to follow and we want to listen to God, and if we want to be faithful to him, then we have to get really good at listening to him and listening to his voice over our voice and stepping in his path instead of our path. This is the gift. This is what they needed. And so they they received it with open arms. And look at what it did. All right, verse 40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who were who gladly received his word, were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now when all, now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with glad and, gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. How was all of that made possible? How did they know to do it? How did they have the confidence to do it? How did they have the boldness to do it? How were they empowered to do it? The answer is the Holy Spirit within them. They were really good at listening to him right out of the gate. And then they started to fade, and that's why Paul has to write many of the epistles and get them corrected and get them back on track. But at first, they listened to him so carefully, and they were encouraging each other so much in listening to the Spirit and following him and trusting him that this is, this is the product. This, and this is the church that, that all churches ultimately look back to, and they say, we need to be more like the early church, more like the early church, more like the early church, more like this. And why were they like this? Because they were appreciating their salvation and they had received the gift of the Spirit and were walking together in the unity of the Spirit. This is next to salvation. I'm not going to call one greater than the other. Salvation is the greatest gift ever given to us. And the Spirit is the greatest gift ever given to us. Not only salvation so that we can become a child of God and spend eternity with him, but now the direction and the power to be able to walk forward and know what our life should look like now as we prepare for then. This is the best gift. And we need to unwrap it, him, and appreciate him. This is one of the things that I personally have been working on. I've got so, so far to go, but I've been working so hard on this in my own life trying to reject my own thoughts and direction and instead saying, what do you want me to do? When I'm talking to other people and other people are talking to me about their decisions or things that are going on in their life, trying to encourage them to listen to and follow the Spirit and not dictate from my own mind what they should do or what they should say. 
but accept that the Spirit is leading them and guiding them and trusting that in their life. This is where we need to get better. I want to tell you a couple things about this gift that I think are really important for us to know. The first is that the Spirit is a gift from Jesus to you. The gift is a, is, the Spirit is a gift from Jesus to you. He loves you and he died for you on the cross and he saved you. And he does walk with us and we can pray to him and speak to him and he does help us. But he gave us the Spirit to walk with us every single day. Because he knew that we could do more collectively with the Spirit within us than even He, the Son of God, could do on His own here. That the Spirit is an even better gift than if Jesus were standing right next to us because it is God's presence within us. It's a gift. He gives you salvation on the cross and He gives you sanctification in the Spirit. The second thing I want us to focus on today is that the gift of the Spirit is for a ministry purpose. That it's not just for you, not just in you, but that God wants to work through you. And it is the Spirit who will direct you to do that and who will empower you to do it. Will empower you to do things you didn't know that you could do. Think about these guys. God suddenly, He suddenly gave them the ability to speak in a foreign language. Could God do that? He could. The situation dictated it and you were open to it. He could. We don't put anything on God. We don't tell God what he's going to do for us. So we got to make sure we keep that straight. But God wants to use you. Specifically, he wants to use you to share the good news, to share the gospel in your own life in your own place, in your own situation. And some of you, he may want to send specifically to do that somewhere else. He wants to use us in that way. And if we're not being used in that way, typically it's because we're not asking to be used in that way. That we may say we're open to sharing the gospel, but we may not actually be open to sharing the gospel. It may just be lip service. But here's what I want you to know. As we're thinking about Christmas, Christmas is your best chance all year long to share the gospel with someone, except maybe Easter. But at Christmas, like everybody's in the spirit, as busy as they are, most people, I dare say all people in America, know that Christmas has at least something to do with this guy named Jesus. Right? I don't think that's a total black hole. I think they understand that. And it gives you an opportunity to bring up things in casual conversation you might not be able to bring up at any other time during the year. But what I want to encourage you to do, because the opportunity is right in front of you, is to say right now, if you're a believer, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've trusted him for salvation, if you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit, right now say, wherever you've been, However you've thought about this, whatever your mentality has been, 
to say, God, this week, I want you to lead me and empower me to share the gospel. To not be afraid of it because there's nothing to fear. Give me the words to say because I don't quite know what to say. When the moment comes and the person is in front of me, push me, pull me, draw me. Don't let me chicken out. Don't let me bail. Don't let me get scared. Give me boldness and confidence to let the words come out of my mouth. And I will trust God that the words that come out of my mouth, what you have me say, will land the way you want it to land. And then you need to know the response of that person is up to them. That's their choice. Your responsibility is to be faithful. So say, God, this week, help me share the gospel. Lead me to the conversations. Give me the words. Give me the boldness. Give me the power. Give me anything else that I need in order to be faithful to you. And God can do incredible things. We're not going to put him in a box or decide what that is. He decides what that is when it happens. But today, say, I want to be your witness. And I believe that you have given me the gift of the Spirit. And that's what you want to do through me. Now you need to know that's going to look different for every single one of you. Because your life, your personality, your situation, your opportunities are different. But what I'm encouraging you to do today is to open that gift. And maybe if you want a place to begin, you'll begin by starting your day every day this week in a time of prayer. And I don't mean just like two minutes when you're sitting over your bowl of cereal. Set aside some time. That means waking up 15 minutes early, 30 minutes early, whatever it is. Set aside some time where you're focused and you're specifically, if you have sin, confessing that sin to God. But then asking the Spirit, asking the Spirit to give you eyes. Give you eyes to see things you haven't been seeing. To give you confidence to do things you haven't been doing. To give you words to say things you haven't been saying. Also, that the gospel can be shared. So that someone this Christmas season that you love, that you know, that you interact with might put their faith in Jesus and have their entire eternity changed in one moment. And you could be the vessel that God uses. And so spend some time praying and asking God to do that. And then maybe throughout the day or you set some reminders, little sticky notes or whatever, that you're constantly throughout the day praying and give me eyes, help me to see. Give me hot confidence. Help me to speak. Show me, even in that, who you want me to be and how you want me to change and transform, who you're molding me into. And then allow that to flow out into the people around me. And I'm just going to tell you, I mean, if you want to talk about 
a gift that keeps on giving. That's as good as it gets. And honestly, who cares if they get an iPod? Well, nobody gets iPods anymore, do they? Who cares if they get the new Xbox thing, the, the, the Switch copy? Like, who, who cares? The greatest gift they could receive is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's it. And then in their life to receive the Holy Spirit and to see what he does with them. It's as good as it gets. And so if you're thinking about gifts, that's the one. Uh, maybe for someone today, you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ yourself. And so today is the day to receive the gift of Jesus Christ and to believe that he did die for you, that he did rise again, paying for your sin. And you'll believe in him and trust him for salvation today. You make that decision today. And then to receive the Spirit and watch how He wants to change you, how He wants to lead you. We're going to thank God for this gift. It's good news of great joy that is for all people. That means for us, and it means for everyone around us too. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you that in your mercy you sent your son, which we celebrate at Christmas, the arrival of the Savior. And so, God, we want to put our focus on that, but we look beyond the manger. The manger was just the start. We look to the cross and our salvation secured on it. But the cross is not the end. We look to the tomb and we see our Savior risen. But the tomb is not the end. We see our resurrected Savior return to your right hand. But that is not the end. And we know that what Jesus promised is true. What the apostles experienced is true. that as they receive your spirit, we have received your spirit. But that you don't give us your spirit just for our own benefit, but that you may receive honor and glory, that the gospel may be shared, spread, and you want to use us to do that. We understand that we need to listen to you. So you've given us the spirit to lead us. We understand that we need your power. So you've given us the spirit to empower us. So that we too, just like Peter, can share the good news that this Savior that you you told us about through the prophets, arrived, lived, died, rose again, returned to you and is one day returning here. And so, Father, use us to share the good news. Help us to learn. Every single one of us individually, we're all on a journey. We're all at a different place on that journey. We're all learning as we go 
We want to walk in the Spirit at all times. We want to walk in the flesh at no times. So help us. Help us, please. Draw our focus to you, our confidence to you. Help each of us know exactly what we need to do in order to make sure we are on the right path, to make sure that we are focusing on listening to the Holy Spirit, walking with the Spirit, responding to the Spirit. So God, right now, in the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak to each of us. So we can know how we walk faithfully with you now. As we look forward to the powerful and magnificent arrival of Jesus once again. Help us to share this with the world. It's in your name we pray. Amen.